I'm going to invite you guys to turn to Revelation chapter 4. And we're going to be continuing our series on guardians. Guardians of the galaxy. And before we get going, um, we have a bunch of different people that are getting involved with Hope for a Day, with sound and tech and those things. Uh, so I want to thank Jocelyn, who's been helping today. She's going to try and set my level so I'm not blasting you guys out of here. Because um, I kind of feel like I might be right now. <laughs> but um, this series has been really cool. I know it's only our second week. But personally, as I've been reading scripture and considering the angelic host, the host of, of heaven, the provision of heaven that is with us, day in and day out, because we're united with Christ, seated with him in heavenly places, that we have the whole contingent of heaven with us. And so I've been pondering this, and for part two, we're going to look at guardians of reverent praise. So we have guardians of the galaxy, they're safeguarding that sacred space we have with God, because we have a relationship with Jesus, they're guarding the way to life, like they did with the flaming sword in the Garden of Eden. And now we have the angels in heaven showing us how to worship. My Bible keeps closing on me, so I'm going to open to it. You're probably already there. Revelations chapter 4. Let me ask you a question. How many of you go to sporting events? Yeah, me too. You, we put, you know, if you go to a hockey game or whatever, you know, we put on the garment of our favorite team. We go there to cheer on our favorite player. You know, when they score a goal, we're like, yes! I know Steven. Steven and I play hockey together. This guy is animated. I absolutely love it. But we get excited. In ways, we kind of enthrone those players. I'm, I know I'm guilty of it. My favorite team are the Penguins. They didn't have a great year this year, but they've been champions of years past, so that's pretty cool. But we enthrone these teams in many ways. We wear the garment. And it got me thinking, again, about this importance of, you know, who we give our life to. Who do we worship? And why do we worship? Perhaps you heard this story. In 2014, there was this uh, 10-year-old kid. He was, uh, he's in Atlanta. He's playing out front on their uh, parents' you know, front yard. And this guy comes and snatches him. So he's kidnapped. He's in this car for several hours. And this kid, I mean, he's, yeah, he's 10 years old. And obviously, he's terrified. He doesn't know what's going to happen. His first inclination, because they asked the kid. He, he was safe and sound after the fact. They said, well, what did you do? You know, this is, it's not common for kids to show up after they're kidnapped. Go to a gro local grocery store and you'll see these posters of looking for their children, parents looking for their children. And he said, I kept singing the song, Every Praise. Now, I'm not going to do it justice. It's a popular gospel song. I remember working in the United States. I think they sing it every other song, every Sunday. But it was something like, every praise to our God. Every word of worship in one accord. Then it goes, every praise, every praise is to our God. He sang this song for three hours. So the kidnapper, he's, you know, he's not liking this. He's very upset. He's cursing at the kid. This is the kid's story. 
But eventually, he, it just wore him down where he drove the kid back home. Because he's singing this song for three plus hours, every praise, right? So you can just imagine the kid in the back, every praise, you're going to drive me home, right? Kind of thing. And I thought this was really fitting because you can see that even in your darkest situation, that when you choose to praise, it can change the atmosphere. It can change your circumstance. And right away, this, is, this story kind of leaped off the page at me because of what we're looking at in Revelation, it's important for us to worship like Isaiah said. Scripture says that he inhabits the praises of his people, Psalms chapter 22. And so we're going to look at this scene. It's an incredible scene. Um, we find out that John, not my brother, as great as he is, this is the disciple John, and he's a beloved follower of Christ, and he's been exiled on the island of Patmos. He's been sent there by the Roman emperor of the time, Domitian. And he's upset because John has been proclaiming this Jesus Christ that was crucified. That he, he not only rose from the grave, but he's coming back. And he's going to have all authority on heaven and on earth. And you can imagine the emperor is not very happy about this good news. So he sends him, he exiles him to this island. And while he's there you got to love it that Jesus speaks or shows up right when we need him the most. And he visits John on this island by special angelic messenger. He shows up and he says, I'm going to tell you the things that are happening, the things that will happen. And he has this conversation with John. And I know I said we go to uh, Revelation 4 first, but we're actually going to start just right in chapter 1 just for a moment. And it says here, It says, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep what is written in it, because the time is near. In verse 8, he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, the one who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. And I, John, your brother and partner in affliction, kingdom, and endurance that are in Jesus, was on this island because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard a loud voice behind me like a trumpet saying, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches. Then I turned to see whose voice it was that spoke to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was one like the Son of Man dressed in a robe and with a golden sash wrapped around his chest. The hair of his head was like white as wool, white as snow, and his eyes like fiery flame. His feet were like fine bronze as it is fired in a furnace, and his voice like the sound of cascading waters. He had seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp double-edged sword came from his mouth, and his face was shining like the sun at full Strength. I made the mistake of staring into the sun last night when we were going up the mountain escarpment coming back through Ancaster. Megan says, oh, look at that beautiful sunset. And I stared her into it like, oh, my goodness, I can't see. Right away, this, this uh, interaction resonated with me. And in verse 17, he says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. He laid his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one. 
I was dead, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Therefore, write what you have seen, what is, and what will take place after this. So you look at this encounter, I don't know about you, when I was reading this thing, I thought, wow, like, what an experience to be visited by an angel, but then to hear this loud, boomy voice of the Lord Jesus himself. I am the, the Alpha and the Omega. And we can see how this should be awe-inspiring. Look at it again. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the one who is, who was, and who is to come. John had the right um, response here. Not just the words that he spoke that moved him, but just the brilliance of Jesus' demeanor, who he represented, that he fell down and worshipped Jesus. So where am I getting with all this? The beautiful thing is humans, we know we have a will and emotions. But what sets us apart from all of creation? Because the Bible says all creation worships the Lord. We're able to reflect, we're able to discern the why component. The because. We worship God because. And there's many reasons and how we go about worship. Consider for a moment. Ask yourself that question. Why do I worship Jesus? Before, a few moments ago as we were singing, why were you singing? Why were you declaring those words? What information informs your reverent praise? This is kind of the big idea for this, this talk. What information is informing that reverent praise? Angel, are you doing this because you want people to see how, you know, spiritual you are? Man, Angel's arms are pretty high today. Last week they were about, you know, four feet. Today they're like reaching for seven. And so just for a moment, point number one I want to emphasize is that we're created to worship God. We're created to worship God. Let's look at Revelation 4. After this I looked, and there in heaven was an open door. The first voice that I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. Immediately I was in the spirit, and there was a throne in heaven, and someone was seated on it. The one seated there had the appearance of jasper and canerian stone. A rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald surrounded the throne. And around the throne were 24 thrones, and on the thrones sat 24 elders dressed in white clothes with golden crowns on their heads. Flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder came from the throne. Seven fiery torches were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And something like a sea of glass, similar to crystal, was also before the throne. And four living creatures covered with eyes in front and in back were around the throne on each side. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature was like an ox. The third living creature had a face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings. They were covered with eyes around and inside. Day and night, they would never stop saying, Holy, holy, Lord God the Almighty, who was, who is, and who is to come. 
Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to the one seated on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fell down before the one seated on the throne and worshiped the one who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne and say, Our Lord and God, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you have created all things. And by your will, they exist and were created. Look at their informed reverent worship. We worship you, holy God, because you have created all things. And here in John, he's been given this personal invitation to tour heaven. Have you ever been a VIP to go to some place where, you know, you're the guest of honor to tour the premises? I've had that opportunity a few times, and because you're VIP, you're attuned to listen to what the host wants to say. And so here, John, he's been personally invited to tour heaven, to witness the spiritual realm. It would have been absolutely amazing. John is trying to find words to describe for us, words from his day, but I'm sure it didn't cover everything. And that we see he describes this majesty, this beauty, this scale, unlike anything that he's ever seen before. And he experiences this reverent praise and worship. Here's what's cool that I jotted down. I had to make sure I made a note of it. Notice that he didn't turn down the invitation. Hey, come on up here, John. What if he said, nah, I'm okay. I'm just chilling in my cell. You know, maybe he had a little bit of a view, probably not. But if he did, no, I'm just going to look out at the water, right? No, he takes him up on the offer and he's carried up into heaven to see this incredible scene in his life is forever changed. Look at verse 8. These living creatures are singing day and night. It's a marathon. When's the last time you went to a marathon worship praise night? I've no, I've only ever been to one. When I was working in Kansas City, the church I was at there, Grandview Assembly, it was actually President Truman's home church back in the day. Right next door was a place called IHOP. And it's not International House of Pancakes. It was International House of Prayer. One day, us interns went over there as a joke and said, yeah, we like to get a big stack of pancakes because they're always using our parking lot, so we wanted to razz them a little bit. But they had all these people coming from all over the world to take part in these marathon worship gatherings. I couldn't help but think in, in preparing for this message, it's very similar to this scene in heaven, but they weren't even scratching the surface. And then we have verse 10. We have a completely different set of worship leaders, the elders. Now, some people say, well, well, first, back up for a second. Some people say that these creatures were the seraphim, these angelic beings. And it's quite possible because of the description of them having these, the eyes all over their body. But in the seraphim are defined as fiery ones or burning ones. I found that really fascinating because if the seraphim are in the presence of God who radiates a light, right, that is so intense that they have to cover their eyes, they would also radiate that glory from being in his presence. It's very similar to Moses back in the day when he would come and meet with God. They would say, Moses, your face shines with the radiance of the glory of God. But then it would fade over time. 
But here's an amazing thing. Scripture says that you and I, because we're in Christ, we are radiating the glory of God with ever-increasing glory. So whether these creatures are the seraphim or not, what's interesting is that why they're worshiping mattered. Check this out. When Isaiah, the prophet, talks about the seraphim, he says that as they're covered with eyes all over their body, they also had wings, two to cover their eyes, two to cover their feet, and two that would give them flight. And they would call to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of armies. His glory fills the whole earth. The foundations of the doorways shook at the sound of their voices, and the temple was filled with smoke. And there's a lot of things to unpack here, but one thing that jumped out at me right away, you might say, well, sure, that's all all the eyes and wings. That's pretty fascinating. Yes, it is. But what spoke to me was that they're calling to one another. They're calling one another to worship God. The Holy One. It's very similar to here in worship. When we start off, we have our worship leader calling us to worship. Would you please stand? Will you sing with us? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And what an inspiration. Their praise would shake the foundations of the temple of God. Wow, what an what inspirating um, motivation for us to worship like them? Could we shake this place? Could we worship in such an extravagant way with genuineness, of course, but could we worship in such a way that it not only shakes the foundations of this facility, but people as they're walking by, they're like, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. I, they get this sense of the moving of the Spirit of God. This has been known to happen throughout the world when people come and worship God in one accord. Just like that song, every praise is to our God. Every word of worship in one accord. And what's beautiful here, we see from our our scene in heaven, John showing us that whenever these living creatures worshipped, the elders followed their example of worship. Every time a living creature, can you just imagine? Just kind of humorous in a way. You know, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And then the elders are like, okay. And they're bowing down again. And they're laying down their crowns. This ongoing, repetitive cycle. And it makes me think, and not in a judgmental way, just honest reflection. I mean, we have it pretty, pretty comfortable in how we worship. You know, can you imagine every time John's singing or Carl's belting out the tune, you know, each, each one of us, we just start bowing down in unison, right? Not in this rote kind of um, preset fashion but just in a genuine response. And so what this scene spoke to me is the way we worship matters. Just as much as the information that we have gathered that informs our reverent praise. That's why we want to be an expressive church body that worships the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We know who God is and we want to praise him with our entire being. Look at verse 10. So we have the second group of worship leaders, right? The elders. They're this dynamic worship team. They're harmoniously leading worship together because he is the Holy One. Check this out. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 14 says, For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are sanctified. 
In Hebrews 4.16, Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And so when we gather in this place, we don't have to be fearful as we worship. There's a reverence, but we don't have to be paralyzed with fear because fear has to do with judgment. And this very truth found in 1 John set me free in my personal aspect of worship before Jesus because I used to think, you know, from one week to the next, I'm saved one day and not saved the other. That it was this, you know, fear of the Lord that was uh, inappropriately set up. Of course, this is when I was much, much younger And it wasn't that Bible school figured things out for me, but it did help with informing why I would worship God. And I love this promise that fear has to do with judgment, but those who are perfected in the love of God do not fear because we can have confidence on the day of judgment. And so these scriptures, these words, just like this scene in heaven, informs, inspires how I worship. And so when these guys are leading us in worship, Isaiah, Carl, Jim, and John, they, all these words are flowing through my mind. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've accomplished for me at Calvary. Thank you, Jesus, that you inhabit the praises of your people. Thank you that you have sanctified me through and through, and you're perfecting me forever, that you make me holy and blameless. And when you start allowing these words, this, this scripture to wash over you, it changes, it stirs you in how you respond in worship. You go from a place of going through the motions to a place of reverent worship. And so my final point is, right here, right now, is a dress rehearsal. Here on earth, we're in the great dress rehearsal. We practice for everything. You know, if you're, in a, you're on a sports team, you're going out to practice, you're perfecting the skills that you have. Even our worship team, they practice. I know today we had zero time for practice. We got in here uh, very late today, um, but everyone pulled together. Thankfully, practice before helped us to be ready uh, for today. But in many ways, we have this dress rehearsal. We're able to continue to raise the bar, if I could use that. We're being stretched in how we offer praise to God. We're not meant to be in this holding pattern where it's the same way day in and day out. And so we have this freedom in worship. Let's look at quickly uh, where John emphasizes how the angels in heaven are calling to one another. They're calling each other to engage in worship. And they're emphasizing that they weren't frozen in time. They weren't just, like I just said, still in their, their way of worship. And what I love about this, this description, and I never thought of this before, which is actually quite amazing, it was a reminder, is that they praise God with their entire being. It says here that they even praise him with their wings. Check this out, Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 24, Ezekiel had a similar vision of heaven. He says, when they moved, and he's talking with seraphim, I heard the sound of their wings like the roar of a, her, a huge torrent, like the voice of the Almighty, and a sound like the noise of an army. 
And when they stopped, they lowered their wings. In Ezekiel 10.5, the sound of the cherubim's wings could be heard as far as the outer court. It was like the voice of God Almighty when he speaks. You and I, last time I checked, we don't have wings. But he's created us. I mean, it'd be nice to be able to fly around, right? But we have other means at our disposal to worship our almighty God. We, ha- we can lift up our, our lips of praise. We can offer up our, our hands in worship. And these angels, these great worship leaders, along with the elders, highlight that they're giving it all. They're, all. they're not holding back. And so with everything that's been said everything that's been shared here, I want to encourage us to go to that next step, if you will. I'm trying to be very um, sensitive with the wordage here. It's not about performance or those kind of things, but we have this incredible opportunity. I think this paints a picture of the incredible privilege that we have to come into the presence of God, that we can worship him with all that we have. And so as the worship team comes, very, very purposely, we wanted them to come back and lead us in a time of worship. And I would encourage you to, you know, whether it's closing your eyes or that, just to focus in on your worship before Jesus this afternoon. We have this opportunity to come together with the worship leaders in heaven, with these living creatures, the elders. We believe that the Bible is more than a storybook, that it is life, it is truth. And that right now, the angels in heaven are worshiping. They're in a continuous marathon. And as we sing, as we offer up praise, they're cheering in heaven. They're continuing to sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We can join with them in offering this reverent praise. And so as the team continues to get ready, I want to read a passage of scripture to you that should encourage us this afternoon. Psalm 100, verse 1 to 5 says, Let the whole earth shout triumphantly to the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us, and we are his. His people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name, for the Lord is good and his faithful love endures forever. His faithfulness through all generations. So let's take this time to soar, if you will, in the worship together. Let's sing. That's great, brother. I love that. So if you want to join us, you can either sit, stand, however you want to worship, just keeping those words in mind that we're on earth as on earth as it is in heaven. And however you feel that the worship. This next song you may not know this one, raise a hallelujah. Let those words kind of ring true in your heart that we're raising that just from ourselves or from our heart to Jesus. Just focus on those truths as we sing this. Hallelujah, louder than 
holy I'm raised a hallelujah Yes, Lord. My weapon is a melody I'm raised a hallelujah Heaven comes Heaven comes to fight for me I'm gonna sing I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm louder and louder you're gonna hear my praises roar up from the ashes hope will arise death is death is defeated the king is alive you believe that let's sing it again i'm raised a hallelujah with everything, with everything inside of me, I raise, I raise a hallelujah, and I will watch, I will watch the darkness flee, I raise a hallelujah, in the middle of the mystery, I raise a hallelujah. Fear you lost, fear you lost your hold on me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're gonna hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated, the king is alive. Sing again. In the middle of the storm Louder and louder You're gonna hear my praises roar Up from the ashes Hope will arise Death is defeated The King is alive Sing a little louder Is defeated, the king is alive. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. 